Hello, and welcome to Today in STEM, as we discuss what's new in the realms of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, as all combined to make your world a better place. I'm your host, Wes Sumner. This new program gives you an inside look at all things STEM, hearing from experts, and relating their knowledge to our everyday lives. We're pleased to have as today's very special guest, Dr. Nazri Nesnes, professor here at the Florida Institute of Technology. Welcome, Dr. Nesnes. Thank you very much for having me. A pleasure. And your expertise, particularly in the area of brain research, is fascinating. So today we're going to learn all about the human brain. All right, Dr. Nesnes, before we get into our discussion with you, let's start the show with some Today in STEM fast facts about the human brain. All right, audience, did you know that 60% of the human brain is made of fat? Did you know that your brain isn't fully formed until age 25? Did you know that your brain's storage capacity is considered virtually unlimited? And did you know that brain information travels up to an impressive 268 miles per hour? Wow. Okay. So let's talk more about the human brain. Please tell us first, how much do we really know about the human brain? Okay, well, the short answer is not much, which obviously gives us a good reason to continue investigating in this area. Uh, the good news is that starting in the uh, 2013 uh, times, uh, a few years ago, there was a huge initiative, uh, and partly by the NIH and, of course, uh, by other agencies, uh, including DARPA and others, where they wanted to invest in in understanding the brain and in, in, in by supporting research, not in one angle, but in a diversity of disciplines that included things like computer science, like uh, biological research, chemical research, as well as obviously the neuroscience research. So I sometimes like to give an analogy and explain to people, think about your house, you know, it's a system, you have your home. And the, the brain is really a central nerve, part of the central nervous system. And systems are complicated because they don't have a single component. And even though we think of the brain as a cluster of neurons, and neurons are just cells that, that interact with one another through connections, the reality is that there are so many different types of neurons. There's so many different roles for parts of these neurons. And so just like our homes, when we built them, we obviously get the electricians, we get the plumbers, we get, in fact, the people put the slab down and, and they build the, um, the walls and so on and so forth, the drywall. So there's so many different specialists that participate in this endeavor. It's a large endeavor. And then in the end, you have a home. But you already know all the components because you've constructed the home that way. And then I've been through that process myself. So I was, I was witnessing the intricacies of something that, that, that um, compared to the brain is very minuscule and very simple because we partly know exactly what's in there. So, uh, but the brain uh, is, is really a challenge for many of these scientists. So, so the reason I gave the analogy is to really highlight the value in the collaborations that need to occur across the disciplines for people to be able to, to really uncover the mysteries of the brain. So let me just give you some ideas about the enormity of this. So the worms... There's, there's a worm called uh, C. elegans that, that biologists love because it's a, it's a simple worm with very few cells, and uh, they have actually obviously understood the entire genome of that worm. 
and it's, uh, it has a short lifespan, so obviously you can reproduce it and study its uh, evolution and all kinds of things. But one of the other attractive features of that worm is it's also transparent, so you can, you can see through it, really. So it, it provides for an or, a simple organisms that people can study. And it has precisely 302 neurons, and that's actually a pretty small number. I mean, that's a number that's manageable. I mean, we can understand the uh, the effects of each one of these neurons, and, and people have uncovered that. But it's not until recently that they were able to really get to that level of detail of understanding how this tiny organism, which you know you can barely see with the naked eye, functions and operates from a neurological standpoint. Then you go to a slightly more complex organism, such as the fruit fly, and that the brain of a fruit fly has at least hundred thousand neurons and so you just already barely is a much larger organism and you're looking at a far more complex system and when i say a neuron these neurons are not connected uh, by one other neuron just it's it's each one is connected by hundreds if not thousands of other neurons through connections intersections much like the road intersections we have you know obviously babcock street down here doesn't have a couple of intersections it has a couple of major ones but then it has a lot of little side roads. And, and of course, if you don't have a map, it's hard to navigate your way through. And this is precisely what we and other scientists are trying to do, really have effectively what would amount to be a roadmap. But now to answer your questions, what about the, the brain? And I assume you're talking about the human brain or even an animal brain. What are we looking at? We're looking at not 300 neurons and not 100,000. We're looking at 86 billion neurons. And each one is at least connected to anywhere from a thousand to ten thousand synaptic connections and so what that leads to it leads to a system by which you have at least a hundred trillion connections between nervous neuron cells and and that that's just already is so enormous that our computer systems can cannot really uh, record such data at, 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 at once and certainly not understand it or, or uh, map it out in the, that level. Now, the computing power has come a really long way, especially in recent years. And obviously, mm -hmm. now computers are almost at the level where they could handle something complicated. But I don't know if it, it's at that level of complications. But there's enough investment in the area of, of computer science and computer engineering to handle these things. But, but when I give an analogy of the roads out on the streets, uh, if you really do the math, that kind of complexity of the human brain far exceeds the number of road intersections in the entire world. And so we're looking at one human brain has more neuronal interconnections than the entire roads of the world map. And so that's just as enormous. And, and of course, we are making pretty good headway at mapping the, the, the roads and the streets. You know, we have mm -hmm. tools to do that. We have cameras, right? And so cameras take the images and then they and remember, most of them are actually two-dimensional. So most, you know, there are a few bridges here and there, but for the most part, it's a two-dimensional world as far as the roadmaps are concerned. Let's just think about this and put it in three dimensions of the brain, and and that becomes an enormous task. Now, uh, it, it, the part of the scientist's um, challenge is to actually just even understand the similarities in the different types of nerve cells, because there are different number of, I mean. Maybe if you look at a biology book, you see there's maybe five, six different types of neurons. But for the most part, there are a lot of subtypes of neurons and so on. Clearly, the ones that you could easily relate to would be obviously you have 
your neurons that are connected to the eye, the photoreceptor neurons, you have the olfactory neurons, but you also have the, uh, the neurons that control the movements and so on, so the motor neurons. So there, already we know just from basic biology uh, and, and, and neuroscience that there are these different types of neurons. Some are bipolar cells, some you know have the glial cells and so on and so forth. These are all terms that neuroscientists talk about. But at the heart of the neurons and the way they interact with another, one another is a, a is little gap called the synapse. And that's how they connect to each other. And what's really remarkable about this, and this is where my participation in this big story is, is that they release small molecules that are called neurotransmitters. And these small molecules have extremely potent uh, ability to turn on pathways and, and trigger the 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 neuronal connections between these neurons. So it's very much like an electrical switch. You know, essentially, if you turn on the switch, the current flows and you get the light to turn on. Except imagine how many switches you have in the brain. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So that's what we, where we are. Well, Dr. Nesnes, that's all we have time for, unfortunately, for today. But please stay right where you are, and we will bring you back for part two. Thank you very much. That's it for this edition of Today in STEM. Until next time. I'm Wes Sumner. Today in STEM is brought to you by the Florida Institute of Technology and WFIT. More information available at WFIT.org.